You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to tonight's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Tonight's show has a great lineup, and Ron Forrestal will be here to talk about wines. Caroline Gray will be giving us a preview of the Easy Food Christmas Annual. I'll be talking to three-star Michelin chef Claire Smith, who's originally from County Antrim and is now the chef patron at restaurant Gordon Ramsay in London. And Fulcher Ireland's Sinead Hennessy has details about food events taking place between now and Christmas. Before we welcome Ron into the studio, here's how you can get in touch with me. You can email me, s.noonan at live.ie, or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And as you know, I'm always on the lookout for food and drink news and interesting stories, so please don't hesitate to get in touch. And one story that you might recall from earlier this year was a group of transition year students from Donegal who set up a business making natural dessert remedies using carrageen moss. Well, Milshog Namara were recently announced as the European Youth Entrepreneurs for 2015 for Best Idea at an awards ceremony in Budapest. So well done to the students and such an incredible achievement. They were interviewed on Nationwide a few weeks ago and the business seems to have gone from strength to strength since I spoke to Mary-Kate Carr way back in February. So well done guys. And I wonder if Ron Forrestal has anything we can toast Milshuk Namara's success with. So let's invite him into the studio and we'll soon find out. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ron, you're welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks, Sharon. And we are going to go there where people don't want to go at the moment, and that is to Christmas and talk about wines for Christmas. Yes. Well, it's, it's not that far away. We're talking about five weeks, really. Um, and as everybody knows, the last couple of weeks are a bit of a blur. So with that in mind, we do a, a lot of corporate packaging, a lot of uh, wine to private individuals at Christmas. So we're looking for that nice little gift and stuff that they can give to people, which isn't, you know, which isn't a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of brandy, something a bit more interesting. So you have a lovely Christmas brochure out. Yes. That details yeah. everything that you do. Just talk me through some of the highlights in this. Well, see, we, we carry like 170 or 80 wines in total. And, and what I decided a couple of years ago was that to get some, if you can get some really good quality packaging for the wines to go into, these are like cardboard, two bottle packs in particular. I have single ones as well. Um, and then you can put anything you want in them. So you can tailor them to anybody's um, budget, uh, depending on what they want to spend. But it's just really nice to get a red and a white or two reds if you have the need, whatever you feel yourself. Red and a white prices are are, are very reasonable to start for just over 20 euros running up to whatever you want to spend basically we can put anything you want in them depending on the quality and a very important thing to remember about all of these wines is they're not available in anywhere else except for yourself yeah, yeah. locally yeah, yeah they're not in the supermarkets or the local off license so people can't go out and check how much you've spent on them exactly and that's a key uh, particularly for small businesses that are you know getting the six or eight two packs that they want to give out to somebody who does a bit of business them and what I've seen over the years is that they used to buy spirits in the past and give out a bottle of whiskey and that would tend to be left in offices and people don't bring them home and they don't take a lot of notes of them whereas somebody gets a two pack of wine they instantly bring it home they bring it home because they're interested to see what it is first of all mm-hmm. and I, I suggest this always to people that they should put a label on the box when they give it out get it, just print a label themselves with their name on it it's a great idea. So that it doesn't get confused with the other five or six packs that yes. somebody gets. Yeah. I'd even go to the length of putting it on the bottle I agree in a post to the box. Totally agree with you. Because every now and again I will pull out a bottle and look at it and think, 
not sure where this came from and it is nice to know exactly where, where it came, came from. from yeah yeah particularly from your own business that you have and people realise that when I'm drinking that's a lovely bottle of red and they realise they got it from West Limerick one or two or wherever we give them the, the bottle of wine for Christmas and I see lots of wines here that you've featured at some stage yes, yeah. on the show or have uh, they've featured certainly on my dinner table and um, the Ned is there let's talk about the Ned for a minute it's a hugely popular wine it is hugely popular there's a few pro- key products that I have that go very well in this kind of packaging for Christmas the Ned is one Dogajolo is another one which is an Italian um, I have Pinot Grigio and a Primitivo two pack uh, which I suggest is a really nice one for like 22 euros it's a lovely pack um, so it is but the boxes are very nice they're nice packaging I also have a wooden box option if you want to put them into a wooden box it adds a bit to the cost because the wooden boxes are um, a very strong nice box so they, they add a bit to it but yeah we have a French people tend to go back to France for Christmas because of the, they like the, the Chablis and the Sancerres and the, the French country wines that they may not bother with during the wee year people like stuff that they can recognise um, names they can recognise but yeah, but there's a huge choice. As I say, we can do anything you want. What goes well with the turkey? What would you be having on Christmas Day yourself to go with the turkey if you're having a turkey? Yeah, this came up before. It's a very tricky one, turkey, because you'd associate that you'd have um, with white meat like turkey that you'd go for white, some of the heavier whites maybe, which is a good idea. But if I've always said is that the issue is not the turkey, it's what's with the turkey is the issue at Christmas. It's that the sauces tend to be quite heavy the, the stuffing is quite heavy. There's a lot of, of very strong flavours around it. So I think you get away e- easily with a red. Not too heavy a red. Maybe Pinot Noir, maybe Merlot at the most. I wouldn't go near a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Shiraz now because they'd be far too heavy. But a, a nice Merlot would be perfect. So good. Okay, lovely. And you said about how many wines you have there. How many wines is it you stock? A hundred and... About 180. It's 180. And if people did want to taste a lot of them, you have the ideal opportunity... Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be our third annual um, uh, wine fair. It's on on the twenty seventh of November, Newcastle West Golf Club. Now, just to explain to people who might not know what it is, it might be slightly frightening to think that you have to go to a wine tasting and see who it is. It's a very easy going night. That you you walk in, um, your hands in a glass. There is three stands with wine. There's about seventy wines on total. You can walk around trees, sample any of the 70 or as many of them as you feel like you want. We have the guys, the importers behind the table, which means that if you want to ask a question, these are guys who are dealing with these products every day of the week. They'll answer any question you want. We also, for to, to um, make the event more interesting, we've added some more stands throughout the room from smaller businesses. Um, we have Cal's Cheese there this year. We have Treaty Beer Brewing coming out of Limerick. Oh, um, he's doing a stand as well. So for... And we like to try some craft, some fantastic craft beers. The only beer that's been produced in Limerick City, um, because craft beer is such a big thing now. Narson Butcher, we have a photographer, we have lots of different people showing off their wares for the time of year. John Quinn is doing a cookery demonstration, which is always extremely popular, uh, which runs in the middle of the night. And this year, we're uh, the, the tickets are ten euros each, which is a, it's good value for the night that's in it because it, it goes on till till late enough. It kicks off at seven forty-five. But this year, all the proceeds are going to St. Itis and, um, and Friends of St. Itis, the community hospital here. And they've done a fantastic job promoting the event. And we have a raffle running separately as well. And they've done a massive job in that with Fergus Scanlon in particular. And fair play to them. It's been great. And we're delighted for them. And we got some prizes for them to put up and uh, between myself and John Quinn. And they've done a massive job in that. So there's going to be a huge raffle on the night. 
a uh, couple of weekends away, dinners and allos in the stole, some really nice prizes on the night as well. And 10 euros, as you say, it's very good value for you get to taste as many wines absolutely. as you like and Prosecco's there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, and finger food, yeah, yeah, absolutely mentioned from John Quinn, yeah, which is an amazing job on finger food in the night. Yeah, plus the demo. Yeah, he does delicious finger food. Yeah, it's he really great, does. yeah, yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And the demo. And you can also be doing a good bit of Christmas shopping there, buying off some of those artists and producers that are there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's even we have flower, uh, a flower lady there doing um, centrepieces for tables. Um, you know, it's it's just makes it interesting. The reason that that we invite the other businesses to come in is because it's the time of year where they they could need to meet the public as well. Uh, it's a good time of the year because it's just that like four three and a half weeks to Christmas, so it's the ideal time. And uh, it's nice in that environment, you know, where you could sit down and the photographer can walk you through what they do if you want to get a shot done for Christmas or anything. I think it's a, I think it's nice. It, it it adds a bit of variety to a to a night. But it's a great night. And thanks to you, Sharon, you 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 help out in the night, and that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And that's Friday, the 27th of November. Tickets are limited, so people should get in touch with you. Yes, yeah, they're going really well. Yeah, it's or there, yeah. contact Fergus in. St. Ida's or friends at St. Ida's. He they have some them tickets as well. as well. And your details are on forestal.ie. And before you go now tonight, Ron, you have a couple of wines yes. there that you want to tell me about. Yeah, I just brought two. I brought uh, a red and a white that I thought were quite interesting. Um, and it's the time of year again where you get into the longer nights and, and probably something a bit heavier. But on the white, I brought a, a single estate New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc called Tohu. Um, it's made by a, a winery called Pear Tree. And it's it's a really nice. Um, it, it is a, a big punch alcohol. Um, it's a fourteen percent. Um, I can vouch for that Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> so it, it, it hits home, but it's it's a real complex Sauvignon Blanc. And opposed to some of the the lighter ones that you get in the supermarkets, and that it's a much more of a punch to it than that. But a really nice product. And on the red, then I have a Cali Alta Malbec um, from Sa- San Juan in Argentina, um, smashing wine. A wine that's absolutely flying this year. Just so fashionable. Um, I was just left a place, uh, a hotel this afternoon talking about it and they have uh, one Malbec on at the moment and he's looking at putting on another two Malbecs. They're that popular. It's just, really? it's amazing. It's, it's as good as what Shiraz would have done 10 years ago. Okay. That's what it is. And how much are each of these? That's about 15 euros for the white and the red is a little bit better value, about 13. Okay. So 13 and 15 euros. Now, I have had the white and it was it was lovely. I really mm. enjoyed it. Yeah, it was maybe a little bit too much, but it was a, it was a <laughs> nice wine. So I can personally recommend that. So thanks a million for coming in tonight. Thank you. A reminder that it's Friday the 27th of November for the, the wine tasting, that your Christmas brochure is out so yes, people yeah. can get hold of copies of that through yourself. And there's, you know, really nice gift selections in there and like as you say from 20 euros right up to the sky's the limit yes absolutely so forestal.ie is the website and you have your facebook page as well forestal Forestal wine Wine merchants Merchants. and people can get your details there and contact you then and thanks a million ron for everything you've done so far this year we really appreciate you coming in every month and have a lovely christmas break thanks very much cheers chin chin salut schleinte Thanks again to Ron. And if you'd like to come along to Ron's wine tasting event, which is always a really fantastic evening, you can get Ron's contact details on forestal.ie and make contact with him to buy tickets. 
So still to come tonight, I'll be talking to three-star Michelin chef Claire Smith, who's originally from County Antrim in Northern Ireland, and she's now the chef patron at restaurant Gordon Ramsay in London. And Fulcher Ireland's Sinead Hennessy has details about food events taking place between now and Christmas. But before that, it's time to talk to editor Caroline Gray about the Easy Food magazine Christmas Annual. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, I can't believe it's that time of year again and the Easy Food Christmas Annual is out. It is. It's it's the most delicious time of year for us, so we're delighted that the Christmas Annual is on sale now. And it is, as you say, it's on sale, it's on the shelves. My copy arrived in the post today and it's just jam-packed. There's so many things in it. Where do you want to start? What do you want to highlight to the listeners to start off with? The main thing about the Christmas Annual is that it's really just your go-to for everything you need over the festive season. So, For starters, I guess, you know, since it is such a fun time of year, we have everything you need in terms of entertaining. We have, um, you know, really easy kind of no-fuss canopy ideas so that when people kind of just drop in, you have something ready to go. Um, We have some really nice drink ideas for both children and adults, so kind of things to warm you up and just perfect for kind of sitting on the couch and getting cozy in front of the fire. Of course, we have a full Christmas menu. So the big feast is obviously the star of the show. So we've done three completely separate menus. One of them is the traditional, you know, we have the turkey and the Brussels sprouts and the roasted potatoes. And then we've done two more full menus. So if you want to kind of try something different, we have everything you need. Um, or you can kind of mix and match between a few of them. Um, and then, of course, we get right into the cakes which is my favorite part of the whole Christmas season. Um, We have really nice ideas for just a traditional cake, you know, if you want to do a fruit cake, but it's actually great because the recipe we've included is perfect for any last-minute bakers. If you've forgotten to do your cake, this is the cake to make on the day, and it is guaranteed to be moist and delicious and have all the flavors that you love from a Christmas cake. Um, And then we have, as well, some really fun, creative ideas. So some cheesecakes, a nice gingerbread cake, a really decadent chocolate fondant cake. Um, Kind of have everything you need in terms of food covered. Um, And then as well, we also include in this issue um, a really big gift guide section. So we have gifts for pretty much any foodie in your life, from kids to the baking experts to somebody who's just a coffee connoisseur. We have all kinds of things that you can buy them from shops as well as um, a do-it-yourself gift guide. So we have some really fun, homemade, edible gift ideas, and those include, you know, some like kind of sweet confectionaries to really nice baking mixes and really nice ideas just on how to decorate them. So everything you need in terms of gift-giving or baking or cooking savory things and entertaining this Christmas annual has you covered. There's a couple of things that actually caught my eye, and one of them was leftovers. Mm, yeah. There's always leftovers at Christmas. <laughs> always is. And it's one of the best parts, too. I mean, I know I wouldn't love the turkey nearly as much if I knew I wasn't going to be getting these really nice turkey sandwiches and turkey pastas and turkey soups. So what we normally do in Easy Food is we always have kind of a five ways with, and they're just really handy, quick recipes. And so what we've done in the Christmas issue is we've expanded that to create 25 ways with leftovers. So they're really short, simple recipes, but it's the perfect way to use up your turkey and ham and even the Brussels sprouts and leftover Christmas cake. 
we have everything there that you need. And I think it's great to be able to plan for those leftovers in advance that you have all the bits and pieces mm. that you need in the cupboard to go That's with the leftovers great. so that you and you know yourself, look, I'm going to make a stroganoff on Boxing Day mm. or I'm going to be making the soup that you have all the, the bits and pieces there to do that. That's the thing, because, you know, it's one of the nicest times here just to kind of sit inside and be with your friends and family. So you can kind of plan ahead, make sure you have everything so that you're not having to run out to the shop and doing any last minute ingredient gathering. You can just kind of relax at home and eat well. And I wanted to also highlight about the butcher. You have a bit there about visiting the butcher. Yeah, we always include um, in the back of our inside track section um, a column from Dave Lang, who's from um, the Association of Craft Butchers. So Dave's just kind of talking through um, really just kind of the best ways to handle turkey and your Christmas meats, um, just, you know, anything that you might almost be wondering about, because at this time of year you really want to impress and you want to be putting your best cooking foot forward nearly. So he's kind of got everything you need covered so that you cook a really delicious turkey, but then as well that you know how to safely handle it and store it and everything from, you know, thawing to what to do with more leftovers. Another page that came to my attention that I thought would be was very interesting and will be good fun is the food quiz. It's uh, that's, you know, it's something fun. We we really love just kind of including all sorts of fun little things that we like to do around uh, in the Christmas issue. So, yeah, we've included a food quiz and it's kind of it's great for adults or kids. It's just kind of a nice little way to test your Christmas foodie IQ and all the answers are there so we're not going to leave you stumped. How do you spend Christmas yourself? Well I always go home I'm from Chicago myself so we go to my grandma's house and she insists on having the entire family over so that usually means there's about 40 to 50 people and you know like so many people it's all about the traditions. This is not the day to be trying you know crazy new concoctions like we love going and we know that we're going to get a delicious turkey or she loves doing um, a bit beef tenderloin and everyone kind of brings something nice to the table and that was another great thing about putting this issue together is just talking with everybody else on the easy food team and you know hearing what are the traditions what are the things that make their Christmases so special and we love kind of pouring that into the magazine and putting it out there for all the readers. And you've highlighted in the contents page that your favorite recipe is the gingerbread cake with cinnamon yes. buttercream. Oh, it's delicious. It, this was one of the creative cakes I was mentioning earlier. We did a spin on, you know, I've never been a huge fan of gingerbread myself, but I love cakes. And this cake kind of, it just takes the best of both. It's sweet and it has a really nice cinnamon um, buttercream on it. And it's fun because we have um, some gingerbread biscuit recipes in the issue as well that you can make fun little cake toppers for. It's so a little houses or reindeer or little snowmen. And um, there's even actually a do-it-yourself gingerbread house. So this is the perfect activity for kids when they're home from school for the holidays. They can bake and decorate their very own house. It's just so much fun. Well, that cinnamon buttercream sounds delicious by itself. It's delicious. It, it, trust me, that, that, was a, that was a clean bowl after uh, coming out of our test kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Because sometimes these things are nicer as you're making them than whenever they're exactly. actually finished. I know. It's when, when all good components make a great end result, you know you're on to a winner. Well, it is a jam-packed issue. It's on the shelves now and it's four ninety-five. like a very handy annual to have in the in the kitchen there during Christmas. And uh, you're, you're going to be appearing on TV3 between now and Christmas. Exactly, yeah. So um, Easy Food Now is appearing on the Saturday a.m. and Sunday a.m. show on TV3. So we'll be on, you know, maybe like 
one to two or three times a month and we'll be cooking just some of the some of our favourite recipes from um, the issues of Easy Food. Of course, you're no stranger to TV because the winners were announced for the Easy Food Home Cook Hero Awards 2015. And that was televised last Saturday on TV3. Home cooks from across the country, we have them compete in Cooks Academy Cookery School in Dublin. And this year we had eight categories, which meant uh, 24 finalists in total. So they were each cooking um, for a panel of judges, and that included... Um, Gina Miltiado, who's the publisher of Easy Food. Uh, we had celebrity chef Catherine Fulvio and then Master Chef Ireland's uh, Nick Mounier. So they had so much fun judging, and at the end of the night, we awarded the um, eight overall winners of the day. So that was turned into a really, really lovely uh, television program that aired on TV3 last week, and it's a fun to great uh, to rewatch it and relive the day over and over again. Nearly, we can't wait for next year. And there's lots of different categories there, and one of the categories was Super Seeds, and yep. it was won by a lady from Dublin who then she also, her dish won the Easy Food Dish of the Year. Tell us about the dish. A winter warmer soup with a pumpkin bread. So Super Seeds was a new category this year. It was sponsored by Linwoods, and it was basically just, you know, contestants had to submit any recipe that had a good use of seeds. So Joy Stardy, whose recipe it was, um, she has this old, you know, it's like butternut squash and just really hearty autumnal vegetables that her family has been making for years. So she bulks it up by adding a bit of seeds and kind of some of her own spices, and she makes this lovely um, pumpkin bread with even more seeds there to serve with the soup. The judges were just so impressed, and Nick was saying, it reminds you of some, it's exactly what you want to just warm up on, say, a chilly night. It's so warming and autumnal and it's just the epitome of what home cooking in Ireland is so they absolutely love the recipe it tasted amazing and yeah so Joyce walked away as the overall winner of the day with the easy food dish of the year. Are you going to feature the winners in the next issue of easy food? The eight winning recipes will all be featured in the January edition of easy food and then as well later in the year we always turn those recipes again into a cookbook and the home cook hero cookbook from 2014 is actually on sale now as well the 2015 cookbook will come out later in 2016. So definitely to keep an eye out for that. And we don't even have a month to wait for the January issue. It's out on no. December the 15th. It is, it is. So we have, um, it, because the Christmas annual is such a special and different edition, we like to just treat that as almost a gift to the readers and it's just something special. But um, the January edition will kind of keep back up and that'll be on sale um, in mid-December. You're keeping going with the, the guest editors for 2016. Our, Kickoff 2016, we have none other than Donald Skeen, guest editor of that edition. And yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a really great issue. I think we're going to have two really stellar editions of Easy Food on sale at the same time for a while. So might just have to pick up both. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And of course, you mentioned before about the perfect gift idea, an annual subscription that people could could do worse than to pick one of those exactly. up for a, for a family member. Oh, definitely. We have lo- we have a lot of people kind of renewing around this time of year. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's great to hear when readers have been with us from the beginning, you know, 12 years ago. And um, that's just something, we, you know, it's just great passing it on. And it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving because it'll keep you cooking for the whole month. So what's better than that? So the Easy Food Christmas Annual, it's out on the shelves now. It's €4.95, over 120 simple festive recipes. The ultimate Christmas cooking guide, I I cannot deny it. It's here in front of me and I look forward to using it. Caroline, great to talk to you this evening. Have a wonderful Christmas and we will catch up in the new year. All right, talk to you then. 
You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and if you've just joined us, before the break, Caroline Gray gave us some of the highlights of the Easy Food magazine Christmas Annual. And at the start of the programme, Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants was here in his monthly wine slot. But never fear if you missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous shows. And you will find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Or if you have the TuneIn app, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, if you do a search for the food and drink show in the TuneIn app, you should be able to find it there. And still to come tonight, Fulcher Ireland's Sinead Hennessy has details about food events taking place between now and Christmas. Next, though, I'm delighted to have an interview for you with a three Michelin star chef. I met Claire Smith at the Food on the Edge Symposium in Galway in October, and I was interested in talking to her for a number of reasons. She comes from Bush Mills in County Antrim, for one, but most impressively, she was the first British female chef to hold and retain three Michelin stars, so like that's no mean feat. I caught up with her by phone a few weeks ago, so let's have a listen to our chat. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Claire, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. And I want to start by asking you to tell us a bit about your journey to being the chef patron at restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Start, and let's start with your roots in Bushmills County Antrim. Well, yeah, I mean, that's going back some time now. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I grew up on a farm um, and kind of started cooking in, in my school holidays and weekends and kind of fell into it and really got a love for it. Um, people were telling me that I was going to become a chef before I knew it. Um, but then I just started reading books and, and met some chefs who had worked in Michelin-starred restaurants. And then that really kind of inspired me um, to go on and, and really do it at the top level. I think some people decide, yeah, they want to be a chef or they want to do something in the culinary world, but they maybe don't have a plan as such as to where they they want to go. Were you always very ambitious whenever you decided that this was the, the path that, that you wanted to go down? Yeah, um, I was incredibly ambitious and, and single-minded um, and driven, I think, from a young age. I think that half of that was my youth, the fact that I was so young and 16 years old, uh, coming from a small town. I didn't know very much about the world or, or the dangers of the world. Um, and that that kind of, maybe I say, stupidity, <laughs> arrogance of a young person just uh, have helped me actually, I think, because it, I was blind to it and at the age of 16 left home to become a chef. And you went over to England to culinary to do culinary arts over in England. Yes, I did. Yeah, um, I had been reading uh, so much about sort of English or being at chefs at that time, and actually the restaurant I was working in at, when I was in Northern Ireland was uh, we used to hire chefs from England um, because it was quite difficult to get chefs of a really high standard in Northern Ireland in those days. There wasn't a huge food scene. So I had my mindset on, on moving to England and, and doing my, my school there. Where was it that you worked in Northern Ireland? Was it the Bushmills Inn or where was it? No, I worked in a, a place called um, Hillcrest Country House. It's changed now. It was just down from the Giant's Causeway. I also worked in uh, the Bayview Hotel in Port Ballantrae. 
and a, and a place called Sweeney's Wine Bar. So I was working pretty much since the age of 12 on my school holidays, just helping out, washing up, waiting tables, making sandwiches. And I kind of just really enjoyed the atmosphere and the, and the team spirit in the kitchen. I remember Sweeney's well now from those nice hot summers we used to have. Didn't they have a lovely beer garden there overlooking the water? Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful place. Yeah, it's really lo- lovely. I'm sure it's. St- I think it's still there, but, but I'm not sure. Do you get home much yourself? Um, I get home normally uh, once or twice a year. I'll be home for Christmas this year. Is that yeah, the first just, time in a long time you've been home for Christmas? It is. Normally we do a, a three-year rotation. Uh, I have my husband's parents, my parents, and then uh, and then we've got one year to ourselves. So this is the, the turn to, to be back home in, in Northern Ireland. Well, you, you talk there a lot. You make it sound like you're quite an old person, but you're not. You're not even 40, so you're still relatively young. So I would imagine, are there still lots of things that you want to do or do you feel having achieved something like um, you're the, the first female British chef to hold and retain three Michelin stars, which is a huge accomplishment? Like, what else is there that you would like to accomplish um, I think that I, I kind of, I, I, I don't think that I've achieved at all everything that I ever set out to achieve. I, I think, and then recently I was we re- awarded our, our fifth rosette, and we have a rosette AA rosette standard, and I've achieved the maximum now, and, and all of the official UK guides, and we're the only restaurant at the moment to do that. And I kind of look at it, and I think, yeah, that's cool, that <laughs> nice box ticks, but. I feel that, you know, you can ever rest upon your success. You have to keep building upon it. And it, it to me, the next thing is, is really to to use that platform and, and do more from it. I've got loads of things to do in my career, such as, you know, I haven't written a book yet. Next year, I'm planning on opening my own restaurant and really building um, really something solid for myself. You have got a lot of worldwide experience, like you've worked in Australia, you worked with Alan Ducasse in Monaco, you've been in Versailles, California, New York. How important is it to a chef's craft to actually get experience in, di- in different parts of the world? Well, I think it's hugely important um, to learn as much as you can, to learn from other great chefs. And I think that certainly as a youngster, you, you need to train under the masters to become the best, to understand their philosophy respect for food and, and their humbleness, humbleness also. Um, team is everything and food evolves so fast and, and I think that um, the world of, of food chefs have a different role today than 10, 15 years ago. The fact that you know chefs have a real platform and a voice now about more than just cooking food in restaurants, um, about the environment, sustainability and about social things, economical um, things about working in your community. And I think that's a great thing because we're we're so much more involved in in day to day life that we're not just stuck in our own kitchens. And many of the subjects that you've actually mentioned there were discussed at Food and the Age in Galway recently. And you were one of the many chefs that were there and you talked about fair trade in the food trade. What was the message that you wanted to communicate to the audience? Um, I think that sometimes we we are uh have blinkers on to what really happened in in the world of food. And I think that the average person on the street doesn't know where their food really comes from or how it's produced. And I think that's quite dangerous. And, and time and time again, we, we you know come up against these scandals, whether it might be water meat in the food or 
milk, you know, prices of milk being less than the production price, all these things that the consumer is not aware of. And, and I think that's really important that people know where their food comes from. There's so many issues with, with health and also supporting our, our farmers um, in our own country. We've got such strict farming guidelines. And, and to me, that you know, it's, it's a good thing in a way because we know we're protected with what we're eating, but we just import things that we have no idea what they are or where they're from. Um, undercut our own farmers and the whole thing seems ludicrous to me um, you go into a shop and, and you can see buy a chicken sandwich and, and the chicken comes from Thailand, I mean it just doesn't make sense and this is sort of um, getting this message out because I think people also, I mean how many percent of the population actually eat in fine dining restaurants, very few so I think the average person is a, is a much bigger message about food and what the future of food is do you think that that is something that young chefs today are more aware of than they might have been maybe 20 years ago? Yeah, sure. I think definitely. And we we're very need to be very connected to our farmers. People shouldn't be shopping or dining in restaurants on, on the price point alone, you know, what value actually is. And also knowing how to, for example, if you buy a chicken, how to, to use that chicken, how to cook it. You know, I think years ago, what we did know was we, had, we were taught how to cook in schools and we were able to um, be more thrifty uh, with what, what we bought. But these days, that's been lost. But I think chefs are kind of reintroducing that back into society again by, by saying, you know, hey, buy the better product, you know, use it, you know how to cook it. And that's us putting something back again. Food on the Edge was a fantastic platform for young chefs to hear older, more experienced chefs talk about subjects that are very important. And you mentioned there about learning from the best. And you yourself, you were a mentor for Dublin's Mark Moriarty, who won Best Young Chef in the World earlier this year. What advice did you give to him whenever you were working with him? Well, Mark was uh, is an extremely talented and very confident young man. So actually, I didn't need to do too much with him. Uh, all I could do was advise him on how to prepare for the competition. And he kind of took it all in his stride and, and had a great attitude um, about the competition where he was there to have a good time. He was cooking something that he really liked and he believed in and, and everyone else believed in it. But I was kind of there just as that person to say, you know, about how to be prepared uh, when you turn up to situations to know what you're going to face i've traveled and done demonstrations and dinners all over the world so you never know what you're going to turn up to when you turn up to an event but actually the whole competition was phenomenally well organized but per mark's ingredients didn't arrive when they were supposed to arrive (laughs) actually mark did a he did a really good job because he uh again really calm really controlled he got he got it he got it we the whole thing was set up where he had to prepare it the day before and his first dish was a little bit salty and he had to prepare, have it ready for 300 people, which was crazy. And it was a little bit salty because it had been there over a day in, in marinating. Um, and when we found out the day, I said to Mark, you know, if you're going to win the competition, you've got to do the whole thing again. And he just looked at me and he said, OK. And he just went and he did the whole thing again. Um, and that was just brilliant. And he just walked away with it. It was kind of... Uh, was quite impressive. So he prepared the 300 dishes from scratch again? Yeah. Fair play and to said, him. You know, you've got one opportunity to win this. <laughs> and I said, and, you know, 
you're going to do it. You have to make sure it's perfect. And he did. And it was, uh, and they just, and very calmly just looked at me and said, yeah, absolutely. I said, have you got the ingredients to do it? And he said, yeah, I can do it. And he just went off and did it. Well, of course, calmness is not something that we would associate with Gordon Ramsay. And Gordon Ramsay approached you and offered you a job, I think it was back in 2002. So you were you were very young then. Uh, and we have a, an impression of him from TV and everything that he is highly strong. Were, were you a bit nervous yourself about working with him or working for him? I think, you know, a lot of chefs are the same, actually. I think, you know, his television persona is, is for TV. You know, he's not really like that um, all the time. I think everyone has their moments, me included. But um, I was terrified of him when I when I started cooking, obviously, because to me, you know, he was someone I looked up to hugely and I didn't know an awful lot. I just hoped that I was doing it right. But over the years, Gordon has been incredibly generous with me, has given me so many opportunities. And, you know, he's a really, really fun guy to work with. I really enjoy working with him. Um, he's still someone who's got a very young attitude towards life he really is um he likes having a lot of fun he's incredibly actually incredibly easy to work for believe it or not because as long as you do the job right and you're good at it he leaves it alone he's actually quite easy to please i'm sure some people now would question that but it's great to hear (laughs) that from somebody that has worked with him like in a in a proper environment or a real environment as opposed to on a tv show which of course would obviously make a difference to how somebody comes across between editing and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gordon is, uh, he's very straightforward, you know, exactly where you stand. And I've worked with him for so many years that I know exactly what he wants, but he's not asking for anything um, ridiculous. He's just asking for good food. Um, And as long as you can deliver that, then he's the easiest person to get along with. But you are leaving or you have left. You are going to open your own place. um, I'm actually... Still with the Gordon Ramsay group, I'm through till probably the middle of next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, still working with them. And obviously Gordon's helping me considerably with um, opening my own solo venture. So um, I'm leaving, but I don't think I'm going far. <laughs> well, this must be something that has been on your, your to-do list, that you wanted to have your own place, maybe with your own name over the door, although I believe you haven't decided exactly what it's going to be called. It's all top secret in terms of the, the detail. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, we've still got a long way to go with that, um, with the restaurants, but we've got, uh, I think it's a natural progression really for for anyone is to to actually have a, a solo restaurant that I actually own myself and and start something up and really just to challenge myself as well I I feel that you know with all the years working Gordon at restaurant Gordon Ramsay it's been a phenomenal restaurant and it's been a great part of my life and but I've done so much there I have achieved so much I feel that it's like really time to challenge myself and, and do something again something new. Well, we look forward to getting all the details about that whenever they they become available. Congratulations on your success today at Clare. It's just been fantastic talking to you this evening. And thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And as I say, the very best of luck with your new venture. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, you heard me talking to Chef Claire Smith about lots of different topics. And earlier in the programme tonight, Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants was here with his monthly wine slot. And Caroline Gray gave us the heads up on the Easy Food magazine Christmas annual. And you can listen back to tonight's show in its entirety on the Best Possible Taste podcast, which is on soundcloud.com. And I'll be uploading tonight's show onto the podcast there later on in the week. So every month, Sinead Hennessy from Fulcher Ireland provides us with details of what food events we have to look forward to. And Sinead is on the phone now to tell us what is on between now and Christmas. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sinead, you're welcome to the programme this evening. Thank you very much. And I suppose at this time of the year, it's really Christmas markets that we're talking about in terms of events. It is, it is, Sharon, yeah. And you're talking to the Queen of Christmas here. So we have lots coming up um, the end of November and December in, in terms of Christmas markets. Um, and I, I think that the, the Christmas market scenario is getting better and better every year in Ireland. We're really, really coming up with our open-air artisanal food side of things. Um, so there's lots going on. I'm going to be starting with um, Winterville, which is which is now firmly established on the Irish festive calendar. Um, it's taking place in Waterford, Ireland's only city, so over in the east, and it's happening from November the 20th to December the 23rd. There is lots of free events happening, very much a family-orientated event. Um, there's going to be Christmas markets in three locations in Waterford, um, with 60 market stalls and a large vintage ferret, Ferris wheel, pardon me, um, and there's going to be a lovely horse-drawn sleigh through the town as well. So that is happening from November the 20th to December the 23rd. That's one I've never actually been to, but it does have a great reputation. It's a lovely one. And, you know, I think given the, the time of year, um, Waterford is such a, a medieval city. It's a beautiful place to be in, in, in cold weather with sparkly lights. Definitely one to go to. Okay, great. So that's over in the sunny southeast, but it's the middle of the winter, so maybe, well, it could still be sunny. Uh, where are we going next? Then we have Galway's Continental Christmas Fair. Um, it's in its sixth year, and um, it's a very, very exciting, lovely, lovely um, Christmas market. It's happening in Air Square from November the 20th until the 22nd of December. There's going to be more than 50 stall holders over there. Um, and the stall holders are going to be from all over Europe. Um, and there's going to be Yuletide food and drink options to appeal to everyone down there. And actually, live entertainment is, is, is a big part of what Galway does. So there's going to be lovely choral and carolers um, as part of the, the, the markets this year, um, as they were last year. But it's, it's a lovely addition and really kind of adds to the atmosphere up there. So that's happening from the 20th of November until the 22nd of December. Okay, lovely. And as you say, I'd agree with you totally about the music and the Christmas carol, the, the live type music that is very festive, really does add to the whole ambiance. It does. It's lovely. And like Galway is such a beautiful city. It's very all-inclusive. And, you know, there's nothing nicer than, you know, heading up into Air Square, getting your, your hot drink and just walking around, looking at all the stalls. 
it's beautiful with it with with the sounds in the background it's it's going to be gorgeous yeah and john mckenna always talks about it being the the culinary capital of ireland so there's great choices there There, in terms of restaurants and bars yeah absolutely there's so much happening up there then um i'm going to be talking to you about um the dublin christmas festival i believe in christmas it has moved this year um as you probably know it was in stevens green last year um, a bit of a, a bit of a, a difficult one last year in that um, there was a lot of stall holders, but now it's moved to CHQ, which is Custom House Court Quarter, down by um, the Docklands, which I think is a perfect location for it. It's going to be starting on the 26th of November, and it's going to feature an outdoor food market, which promises to be fantastic. Um, and there's going to be an, an indoor element as well at the CHQ building um, and a Scandinavian-themed lounge bar. There's also going to be a 50-foot Christmas tree in the middle of CHQ, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Why did they decide to move it from St. Stephen's Green? I think logistically, um, uh, logistics was probably a big reason. And I think as well, there, there's a lot of restaurants and cafes around the Stephen Green area um, that felt, um, I suppose, a little bit hard done by last okay. year, if I'm honest. Okay, fair enough. Um, so it's, it's, it's spreading it out. And I think with parking and transport and everything like that, it'll do very well as in CHQ. Okay, great. So we've been to Waterford, Galway and Dublin. We have. Are we staying? We're a triangle. Are we staying in Dublin or are we going somewhere different? No, we're coming back to Limerick, actually. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, definitely one of my favourite ones. Um, we have the Christmas market in the milk market. Um, and this is, it's happening from the 4th of December and there's going to be a full week of markets from the 17th to the 24th of December. Fantastic Christmas market for two reasons. The quality of food down in the, the milk market is absolutely fantastic. And of course, the all-weather canopy covering is great for it a is. market. Yeah, huge especially. advantage. Yeah, huge especially. advantage. So you get you get to wrap up warm um, and you get to get, get into the Christmas spirit, but you're evading or avoiding the rain. I think it's a big plus. So there's going to be stalls, you know, the stalls, the, the regular stalls that are down there. There's going to be lovely artisanal foods, um, some, you know, th- things that you can buy and eat while you're going around. There's a lovely craft element down there, decorations and toys and all of that kind of stuff. So there's going to be carling and everything like that down there as well. So this is that's a lovely one and very close to home. So I'll make it there more than once, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it is a fantastic market and anybody that is a visitor to Limerick that has any interest in food at all or, you know, just wants to get lunch, it is a great spot to go to. Absolutely. And I think what they're doing down there on Fridays is great as well. Um, just just uh, as a kind of a regular occurrence, it's a lovely, they do a lovely, lovely Friday market um, and great for lunch. And there's a lovely atmosphere down there. So I'm a big fan of it. Fantastic. That's Limerick then. Where are we off to next? We're going down to Cork, which is another fantastic one, actually. Um, Glow in Cork is... Um, is happening from the 27th of November to the 20th of December. And it's only happening on Friday, Saturday and Sunday um, of, of each week. Um, it's, it's a lovely festival. It's going to be happening in Grand Parade down by the Bishop's Key area of Cork City, which is quite central. 
Um, it's, it features Ireland's la- largest Ferris wheel. So you can, you can see this Ferris wheel. It's quite large and frightening, actually, <laughs> as you're driving into Cork. Um, and there's a beautiful atmosphere down there. Loads of open-air stalls, lots to, to, to do, um, lots to taste. And actually, Cork has the most individually owned shops in the country. So it's a great place to get in some Christmas shopping as well. And individually owned, it's great to go and support those independent retailers. That's it. And you've more of a chance of getting something unique for, 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 for Christmas mm-hmm. um, in your shopping. So that's a, a fantastic one, a lovely, lovely one down in Cork. It's called Glow. Glow, fantastic. Yeah, that's definitely one I'll have to look into and see about going down to that. Bring the kids. They okay. love it. Okay, great. Yeah, it's great, great. Now, there's two other ones, um, Sharon. That's the, the the end of my listing, but there's two other ones that I'd like to mention. Okay. Um, we have the Trump International um, Christmas Market down in Dune Bay is is a lovely one to go to if you're if you're over in that part of the country. Um, smaller than the ones I've just listed, but a, a, a beautiful festival. Lots of artisanal food down there, it being in Clare. Um, and it's a lovely one. You can bring the dog, go for a walk on the beach, get some malt wine and just take in all of the atmosphere over there. So that's a lovely one. And we have Christmas by the Sea in Dunnera as well, which is a lovely festival. It's, uh, it's just on the seafront. It's 20 minutes outside of Dublin city centre. So if you don't want the, the city centre madness, it's a lovely one to go to as well. And in Dunbeg, I think they have a little train, do they, that, that goes around it? It goes from the car park up to um, the courtyard and the, the festival itself, or the market itself takes place in, in the, the courtyard of the lodge. Lovely. Um, so, which is a beautiful place and a beautiful building. Actually, I was online with it this morning and the hotel itself has been booked out um, for all of its Christmas days. So that'll give you an indication um, as to how, how special it is up it is up there in that time of year. And it is a fabulous hotel. I, I did have the pleasure of celebrating a significant birthday there. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. yeah. So I have very fond memories of it. Oh. Well, Sinead, you've covered like many of the counties there, Waterford, Galway, Dublin, Limerick, Cork and Clare. So there's lots happening all throughout the country. If people want to find out more about each of these events, are they on the Discover Ireland website? Discoverireland.com forward slash food. Great, super. Listen, lovely to talk to you as always. We'll hardly talk to you before Christmas, so have a good one and we will talk to you in the new year. Thanks very much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Great to talk to Sinead and if you have a favourite Christmas market or food event, I'd love to hear about it. So please do drop me a line to s.noonan at live.ie. In the meantime, there are a couple of other events that have been brought or caught my attention. Did you know that A Taste of Mexico is on in Dublin at the moment? It started today and that runs until this Sunday. There's tequila tasting and lots of other events that showcase food, drink, music and fashion from Mexico. If you visit tasteofmexico.ie, you'll find out more. I have a deadline for you and that is to vote in the Irish Book Awards. The deadline is this Thursday the 19th of November. There is a category specifically for cookbooks. It's the Avonmore Cookbook of the Year and you can vote for Trish Dezean's Home or Nevin Maguire's The Nation's Favourite Healthy Food giving them a specific shout out as both Trish and Nevin have appeared here on the show to talk about their respective books. So please do pop on to irishbookawards.ie and cast your vote. 
Then this Friday, the 20th of November, there's the Speak Eat See Winter Words and Nourishment at Clock Jordan Community Farm. That is in County Tipperary. This is a fundraiser aimed at recouping €8,000 worth of farm kit that was stolen earlier this year. And the evening starts at 8 o'clock with a community farm meal. Four courses prepared using produce from the Eco Village, Riot Rye Bread by Joe Fitzmaurice and other Clock Jordan delicacies. After dinner, there's an in-conversation session with author Mark Boyle. There's poetry acts, music and dancing, and the cost is only €20 for the whole evening. So great value there. If you visit the Clock Jordan Community Farm Facebook page, you'll find out how to book. Solace Centre, that's the South Eastern Cancer Foundation. They have a fundraiser taking place this Friday night, that's the 20th of November again, in Dooley's Hotel, The Keys in Waterford City. It's an epic tasting night, which has been put together by Declan Brady of Worldwide Wines. And there will be numerous beers, wines and spirits available for tasting for €20 and all proceeds going to that very worthy charity. Details on worldwidewines.ie. And then the final event to mention this evening is the Bite Festival, which is on this weekend in the RDS. It's a new food festival for artisan food and drink producers in Ireland. 150 of the best, they tell me, will be exhibiting. And there's also demos, cooking glasses, weird food challenges and lots of tastings. Everything you need to know is on bitefoodfestival.ie. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for joining me and thanks to all of tonight's guests. Ron Forrestal, Caroline Gray, Claire Smith and Sinead Hennessy. A final reminder that the Best Possible Taste podcast is online at soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. It's also in the TuneIn app if you have that on your iPhone and iPad. I'll be back next week at the same time all being well and hope to have lots of food and drink gift ideas for you that'll give you some inspiration and get the Christmas shopping off the ground. Until then, mind yourselves and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!